Hello, everyone, and welcome to Retro Encounter, episode 317. This is a part two. It's a two-parter, and the first part was last weekend. It was Final Fantasy V. Uh, we ran through a bunch of stuff about all the different versions of the game. We ran through uh, the first half of the game and all of the events that happened in there, going talking about the jobs and our favorite classes and all this stuff. And this week, we are going to be going through the rest of the game. And uh, I might talk about some of the things that make uh, the Game Boy Advanced version a little bit different. And we'll just talk about our, our general opinions and stuff. But first, let's meet our panel for this week. They are all returning. So first up is Audra Bowling. Hello. We have Quentin O'Connor. Hey, I might not be uh, here very much. I'm eating some uh, overgrown lobster with uh, cheese biscuits and mashed potatoes. <laughs> but I- I'm mostly here. How <laughs> topical. And Corey Tishbein. Hey again. Okay. So, uh, last week we talked a little bit about the game. If you want to hear more about what this game is, if you've never heard of the Final Fantasy series before, there's lots of information there. So just download last week's episode, give it a listen, and then hop over to this week's and everything will be fine. But uh, when last we left them, Galoof, uh, the old man with amnesia, had just gotten his memory back and uh, it was discovered that he is from another world. So he and his granddaughter returned to his world to fight X-Death, who is the big bad for this game. And it left our intrepid heroes, Bartz, Lena, and Ferris on their planet. And they were like, well, no, we, we have to help our friend. So they all uh, got together and talked to Sid, who is in every Final Fantasy game. But in this one, he is a brilliant scientist. And uh, Sid came up with a plan to tr- teleport them from uh, their world to Gloof's world. And they did so, and immediately upon doing so, they were captured by X-Death's forces. But before we get into that, I realized last week that we got some new jobs, and we didn't talk about the new jobs. So we're going to talk about the new jobs to start off. These are the jobs that were bestowed by the Earth Crystal, and they are Dragoon, Dancer, Samurai, and Chemist. So uh, what does everyone think about these jobs? Do they ever make an appearance in your party, Audra? Samurai, actually, I switched Faris to it, and I've kind of kept them using that those abilities for quite a... Actually, the rest of the game. The Zenagage, yeah. I believe it's called, the move where you damage enemies with gill, mm-hmm. is awesome for the final part. Yes. So you had some deep pockets? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Samurai's... Uh... Zengangagi skill is is just great. Um, I love everything about it. I love the absurdity of it. Um, you know, and, and the more you level it, the more gill you're gonna get because you're out there in the field leveling up samurai. Yeah. And then and then it's like as a bonus, once you're finally done spending all that gill, you have you can so still much, use it. Yeah, and it's just you know, I mean, I'm not gonna spoil who I like to throw it at the most. Although, um, if you're following, if you're following FF5 story so far, it's kind of predictable. But um, <laughs> it's just great. I, I just love saving the world by like, plow. Here's some money. Capitalism. Yeah, I think I would echo all of that. Um, I have less favorable feelings about you know capitalism generally, but in this game, it was really, really, really fun. Um, so just toss skill and it kind of felt like cheating. Like there were a couple of encounters that I was really struggling with. It's literally pay to win. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> take my money. <laughs> it's the inception of the whole Dang. scheme. Um, and I thought Samurai, even aside from that was just really powerful, like just super high damage output. Um, so I also, like Audra said, used it for the rest of the game. I don't think I ever had a party without it after it got introduced. And, 
I feel kind of bad. Like I thought about giving Dancer and Chemist a go and I've heard Chemist is really powerful, but I, I sort of passed on both. Like we all talked about Blue Mage. We, most of us kind of did the same thing there. Like we didn't really give it all the attention it really deserved. Um, and that's what I did with Dancer and Chemist. Kind of skipped them. Mm. I did have Bart's Master Dancer. I'm not sure why I picked him, but... I think he's the right <laughs> one. He looks fetching in the shirt. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks fantastic as a dancer. Like, we, like Bart's style is not always the best in these jobs. He just looks like he was born as a dancer. Like, I want a mod where, at the very beginning of the game, he's on Boko when he gets off, and instead of being at the campfire, he just starts doing, like, Thriller. <laughs> yeah, for every other job, I picture him as Michael J. Fox, but when he's a dancer, I'm picturing Patrick Swayze. Okay, yeah, no, oh, perfect. Man. Perfect. Excellent casting. Um, I feel a little bit bad about the other jobs, but yeah, I... I dancer, I just kind of skipped it. Chemist is really, really cool if you want to get some more utility for your items, because... Uh, you get, you know, more powerful items and that kind of thing. Dragoon, I understand that it's like a Final Fantasy staple. And basically, if you put it on Bart's, you just get Kane from Final Fantasy 2. It's the same sprite almost. Um, but jump as a skill is not good. Not only, I mean, it takes a long time to, you know, set up and everything. And yeah, it does give you a lot of damage. But while you're in the air, it means that one of your tanks is missing from your party, leaving presumably two magic users with an increased chance that they're going to get hit. So it weakens your party tremendously while the Dragoon is in the air. Um, so yeah, I I didn't really use it. Um, but I mean, Samurai is a friggin' awesome job. So yeah, totally. Samurai, good choice there, everyone. Um, well, let's... Uh, so now that we've now that we've gone through our, uh, our our little job fair, let's jump into the actual events of the game. So immediately upon arriving in this new world, you find we all find ourselves on an abandoned island. Uh, there's no one there because you jumped into a meteorite, into a portal, into another world, and you didn't actually think about where you were going to end up. So you just ended up on an island in the middle of the ocean. Congratulations. You, you made a big mistake. Uh, <laughs> it's like an episode of Sliders. If I'm... <laughs> Am I am I too old? Does anyone else here even know what that oh, is? I know that show. I Ooh. swear to God, I'm not kidding. I read a Sliders comic book yesterday. Oh yes, <laughs> um, beautiful. Yes, Sliders is amazing. But this is this is it, it, this is retro encounter, but not that kind of retro encounter. <laughs> um, not canceled Fox shows from the 1990s. Yep. That that's an entirely other podcast, which I'm sure has been made. Um, so. Uh, you're on this island, but thankfully, you're then abducted by minions of X-Death uh, <laughs> and saved. I mean, they're complaining, but I'm like, you were going to die on a deserted desert island in the middle of the ocean. X-Death did you a favor. Um, but he didn't do it for the right reasons, because he kidnapped you so he could put you in a giant mirror in the sky and point you at Gloof and be like, if you don't back off with your forces and stop attacking my island castle, then I'm going to kill your friends. And Galoof was like, nah, and he hops on a Windrake and he flies into the castle to save you and uh, to save Bart's and Lena and Ferris. Um, it's a surprisingly easy jailbreak, considering uh, that they were having so much trouble, you know, getting into this castle. But uh, so Galoof, as a single party member, manages to get his way through and gets to the cell and then fights a recurring villain in the Final Fantasy series, the first time they appeared, Gilgamesh. And Gilgamesh is uh, just a joy. Uh, they're a enjoyable presence in this game and whenever else they show up. Um, in this particular fight, they're a huge wimp. Uh, and you kind of fight for a minute, and then Gilgamesh is like, ah, nah, and runs away. 
Um, but you get your party back and you rescue the party, you get the band back together. And now it's time to leave the castle. Yeah. So what do you guys think of this, uh, this jailbreak? It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's fine. It's, you know, I think it's a little unlikely that Galoof, the king of this particular nation would be able to sneak in on a dragon or on a, uh, on a wind drake, but mm. I mean, it's like a classic Bowser move followed by a classic <laughs> Mario move. You know, <laughs> Bowser's just like, look at this thing I kidnapped. I guess it's important. I, supposedly, I want to marry this person, but I'm just going to be like, haha, don't come any closer or bad things. Well, Gilgamesh does have feelings for Barts, so. Well, <laughs> this is true. This is what makes FF5 story more complex. I'm not even, that's not even a joke. I, I seriously read Gilgamesh really likes Barts. Um, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. It's just, you know, suspension of disbelief. Um, but then we get to one of the most iconic sequences in Final Fantasy history, which is the Battle on the Big Bridge. And, you know, this has an iconic theme, just an amazing song. And there have been dozens of versions of this song recorded. And honestly, I think the version in the Pixel Remaster might be one of the best ones. Yeah, it's a great song. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, so anyway, yeah, you're in the Battle of the Big Bridge, you're basically just trying to hustle your way across the bridge to escape from the castle. Uh, and you're fighting semi-random battles the entire time. And then at the end, you fight Gilgamesh. And this time, Gilgamesh is considerably more buffed than uh, he was previously, because obviously you're fighting him with a full party, and it's a little bit more fair. Um, so you fight Gilgamesh, and then Gilgamesh runs away, which is kind of a recurring thing in this game, which is pretty funny. Um, and then when you finally reach the end of the bridge, X-Death puts up a magical barrier around his island. Uh, that blocks access to his castle and it sends all of our heroes flying. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the Battle of the Big Bridge. It's it's not quite as epic as the music m makes it feel. That's a good point. You know, whenever I like visualize going back to that point, I have this like, I don't know, like EA Battlefield vision of just like <laughs> soldiers, soldiers living and dying for the cause and just, you know, but it's true. It's just kind of like a few fights and then bumping into your friend Gilgamesh and then getting yeeted. It's, it's literally just four people running across a bridge screaming. That's what the Battle of the Big Bridge is. It's like a beautiful movie pitch. Well, I played this whole scenario kind of backwards. Like the first time I was exposed to this was in Final Fantasy fourteen, And mm -hmm. mm. I, I forget how many parts that instance is. It's been a couple of years, but I remember it being this like huge event in FF14. Obviously, the music was great. It was on an epic scale like Quinson was talking about. And so I was kind of expecting something more here. And it felt kind of abrupt. Um, the whole scene, as funny as Gilgamesh was, it it didn't really meet my expectations. It's more kind of like a fun interim. Yeah, it's a it's a skirmish on the big bridge. <laughs> yeah, shake. It's like it's like one of those over battle fights where it's like fight it out and then they hit each other a few times and then walk back out onto the overworld into the next match. Yeah, it, uh, it that's that's pretty much the the battle of the big bridge. So amazing song and a pretty good sequence, but doesn't really live up to like the epicness of what you would expect from this uh, song. Um, anyway, so uh, the magic barrier goes up. It sends all of our heroes flying and they land literally on like the other side of the world uh, in the middle of nowhere. And to get back to civilization, you need to go on a tremendously long hike. Um, so you've, you've come upon this, this small town named Regal and you are warned to avoid a castle to the south. So you go a little bit south and, uh, you discover the sealed castle of Kaza, uh, Kuza, 
the sealed castle of Kuza, which holds legendary weapons that we cannot uh, access yet. Um, and this is a place where you do not want to spend much time because there are rare random battles in this place and you are ridiculously underleveled at this point and they will destroy you. So you definitely don't want to hang out there for too long. Um, but you keep walking and eventually you find a forest uh, just outside of a desert and you find a lost Moogle. Uh, and uh, the Moogle, this Moogle can't talk. It's not like uh, Mog in Final Fantasy VI. There's no talking. Uh, and you kind of investigate this Moogle, and then all of you fall into a big hole. Once again, your your party, there's a lot of falling into random <laughs> holes in this game. <laughs> it's true. Like, this, this is like the third or fourth time by this point where your party is just like moseying along, and then all of a sudden a hole opens up behind uh, beneath them. It's like Indiana Jones blunder after blunder. I mean, it suits the tone of the game, but you're you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, at this, this isn't like, th there's this, there's a time that's going to happen again later, um, there's a lot of holes that the party falls into and they don't really comment on it at all. It's true. And I'm not even talking about like traps. If you include traps and like, f like things that you can see, there's the reason why you need the geomancer. If there was a geomancer in the party, presumably <laughs> half the story wouldn't happen because the party wouldn't be falling into holes all the time. Can you imagine the FF5 casks holes problem and like more like modern ffs like ff7 remake and sephiroth's just like cloud follow me and cloud just takes two steps and he's like ah, sephiroth what and then he just like falls through a hole and sephiroth just stares at him like are you kidding me just every single time a plot thing happens in this game someone falls down a hole that's the entire <laughs> that's the plot of final fantasy 5 it's just falling down holes repeatedly so just don't walk save the world anyway so now you are in an underground waterway uh, and you are pulled along various currents until you get to the end, and you see uh, the Moogle being attacked by a monster, which is a spooky T-Rex. Um, we save the Moogle, and uh, he shows us a path through the desert uh, to get to a much, much larger forest. Um, so we, we have to follow his path exactly, and then when we get to the forest, we reach the Moogle village, and it's just, a, it's just like a tree village full of Moogles. And all of them are terrified of you, but this one Moogle recognizes you and vouches for you, and then communicates telepathically with a Moogle that Krill has back at Galoof's castle. Uh, we don't know why Krill has a pet Moogle, considering that these people seem to be able to form some kind of community and civilization. <laughs> is, there's a lot going on here that I never really thought about. I've played like every version, and man, I don't know what to say. Like, there's some dark stuff going on in Final Fantasy V. <laughs> Why does Krill have a Moogle? Like this is not a this is not a pet. This is a anyway. Um, the, the Moogles are telepathic, and Krill's Moogle is like, "Hey, found them!" So she takes a Windrake, which has been badly hurt in the fight against X Death, uh, to rescue the lot of you. And uh, you go back to the Castle of Ball, and this is it might actually be one of my favorite castles in the Final Fantasy series because it's not just a symmetrical place. Like it has like a kind of a weird courtyard and then it's like off to the side is the throne room. It's just a really unconventionally designed Final Fantasy castle. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, I really like it. Anyway, uh, on the roof of this place, you find that the Windrake that saved you is now dying from its wounds. And the only way to save it is to get some dragon grass, which you sort of did earlier in the game with uh, with uh, the Windrake of Tycoon. Um, so you head north to you're heading towards a place called uh, Drakenvale which is a mountain, and this is where all of the dragon grass is grown. But to get there, you need to go through the werewolf village. But don't worry, the werewolves are your allies. And uh, when you're going through, you meet uh, another warrior of Dawn, 
who is uh, Kelger, and he is the the elder of the werewolf village, and is like an old an old wolf now. Um, but he still challenges Bart's to like a duel, and Bart's like punches mano, mano. Yeah. yeah, just punches this old guy straight <laughs> through across the thing, and you're and everyone's like, "What are you doing?" See, it should be a dance off, Patrick Swayze <laughs> versus the Lone Wolf. You know, I think that's a better version of the game. Somebody should do a patch. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, but then uh, in this exchange, you discover that Bart's dad, uh, Dorgan, was one of the Warriors of Dawn with Galoof, uh, Kelger, and another. Uh, warrior who we have not met yet. Um, anyway, so this is, uh, you get permission to go through the werewolf village and you get to Drakenvale uh, to get some dragon grass. And uh, there is a fun little random encounter here where you can get Gollum as a summoned monster. Uh, he is being attacked by some random monsters and all you need to do is not accidentally kill him. <laughs> Oops. Uh, likewise. Yeah, didn't, didn't succeed there. <laughs> nope. Nope, I was like, ah, oh, I beat them. And then, like, Bart's comes in screaming with a sword and just kills him. Um, <laughs> he keeps appearing. Only he was dancing. You need to be careful with your uh, combat commands in this one because he will be automatically targeted after you beat the others. Uh, anyway, um, but if you do it properly, you get Gollum, which is a summon monster. Um, and then you come upon the reason why Windrakes are apparently endangered. The grass has evolved into a living being that eats dragons or drakes um <laughs> which is a really weird evolutionary this... little dive to go to but okay butterfly guy meme is this environmentalism <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um well, i guess they were eating the dragon grass so well they were eating the dragon grass and now the dragon grass eats Case, them yeah. like that's it's, it's a so karma. Yeah. Evolution at work. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you have to kill this, this the plant that is growing out of the grass, and you take, presumably you take its corpse um, back to Ball, and uh, you try to feed it to the drake, and the drake doesn't want to eat the grass. So once again, Lena just takes matters into her own hands <laughs> and eats, like, the poison grass to humans, and it's just like, yum, yum, mmm, good. And the drake is like, okay, nom, nom, nom. And then Lena is, like, dying on the ground, and you save oh her, god. of course. But it's like, oh my god, this woman has absolutely no regard for herself. Like, she will just kill herself for these dragons, and she does twice. And the music is just like, like really sad and it's just like okay but also you're 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 nuts what are you doing anyway it's fine Uh, it just occurs to me that both of these sisters uh ferris and lena or they both have more of a connection to non-human animals than actual people like lena really likes drakes and ferris really likes sea monsters and pirates i feel it yeah so uh it it gives us an interesting little thing so even though the wind drake is better uh krill is not krill goes into a like a a seizure and uh apparently is getting a psychic message from a sage named guido or gahido how do you guys pronounce it? This is another one of those names that your brain, like everyone has a different version of it because it's just in your head when you play Final Fantasy. Um, I went with Guido at this point, but like my brain was pretty rattled by how bonkers this entire narrative is. So I wouldn't really like trust me here. <laughs> yeah, I think I went with Guido. Guido. Yep. Um, speaking of bonkers, so you head off to his island and you start taking the Drake to the island and then X just, X death just sinks the island. <laughs> I love that part. That was my favorite part. Just like, holy crap. Okay. This world is insane. Um, so instead of uh, trying to like, instead of hopping in the water, uh, you decide to join the battle with uh, 
King. Now here's another name. That's a fun one for like, it's just going to be different for everyone. Mine was Zizat is how I, is how I said it in my head. How about everyone here? I'm, I was laughing too hard to really think about the pronunciation. So I passed. Zizat. Okay. Well, when I was a little kid versus when I replayed it a little older are two very <laughs> different answers. Um, when I played it a little older and from there on, it's always been like Zizat. Uh-huh. But when I was very young and I hadn't really realized yet that words could begin with X and not just be pronounced X. Mm-hmm. So his name was X is it it? I don't know where like that last <laughs> syllable even came from, but I was talking to my friend on the phone one day and I was like, I met X is it it? And he's just like, I'm sorry. His original name in the anthology version was Ziza, uh, which is not as good a name. See, I didn't have a problem with the Z at the top because I watched Gargoyles growing up. Um, and, uh, David Xanatos was, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so, uh, you're joining this battle with King Zizat, who was another warrior of Dawn, uh, and he has, a, it's a naval battle this time, which is a considerably more epic battle than the battle on the big bridge. Um, but, uh, so they are trying to take down the barrier of doom. Um, so you land on the, the main ship in this battle fleet. Uh, and you, the hope is that you are trying to destroy one of the towers that is projecting the barrier. Um, and then you end up in this big sea battle, like kind of a piratey thing, which to be honest, I was a little bit surprised that Ferris wasn't more into. Yeah, she seemed very not nonchalant about it. Yeah, like this was this was Ferris's life. Like they were they're a pirate that like technically speaking, like boarding an enemy ship and fighting should be like their bread and butter. Um, but anyway, uh, so this fight is kind of like semi-random battles with like monsters running around the ships and you just need to take them all and then you run into everyone's favorite sort of villain again gilgamesh uh and this time he has a friend uh enkidu and uh the two you know you you fight and everything and this is actually the first time there's a thing about gilgamesh in final fantasy 5 where you can uh steal genji armor like various genji armor pieces from him in every single one of your encounters with him and this is the first time you can steal steal a genji piece i can't remember what it is but uh yeah if you want to assemble the genji set this is where you have to do it um anyway so you you beat you beat gilgamesh gilgamesh runs off again and uh there is a kitty hi cat Uh, hello kitty (laughs) yeah Uh, she comes in to say hello yeah the kitty made an appearance in last week's episode and probably will in this one too um anyway so uh you discover that the real plan is the the battle fleet is just a distraction and the real plan is you're going to be going underwater in a submarine uh, to sneak onto X-Death's Island from below and blow up one of the towers. So the plan is that uh, uh, Zizat will destroy the generator at the bottom of the tower and you're going to blow up the antenna at the top. Um, but uh, but it all goes terribly wrong. There's interesting uh, boss battle in this area against uh, Atomos, who is a, like, looks kind of like a portal or a door. Um, when one of your party members are KO'd, and like they're they're dead on the ground, uh, they will be dragged slowly towards the mouth of this boss. And if they reach the mouth, then they are removed from the battle entirely. So it's kind of an interesting. It's not a ticking clock, but it's it's it it means you. It kind of makes it so you only have a limited number of revives uh, until you lose that party member permanently. So if you are under leveled, uh, it's going to be very tricky to you know win this fight. Um, but kind of fun anyway. Uh, so you succeed in blowing up the tower, but Zizat is trapped in the generator room, and uh, Galoof tries his best to save him, but uh, there's no time, and he dies. And Galoof has—it's a very touching scene where Zizat's like, "I'll meet you at the sub. I'll meet you at the sub." 
And then Galoof is just like waiting by the sub sadly uh, as Zizat is no longer coming in. And it's very sad. But the good news is now that he's dead, you can have his submarine. So <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So there's a uh, silver lining. There's a silver lining to every Final Fantasy character death. And in this one, it's a submarine. Um, yeah. So you got a sub, which is cool. Uh, and I, is this the first submarine in a Final Fantasy game? Yep. Oh, it yeah, could be. I think it might be one of the last ones as well. Yeah, it's five and seven, and I can't remember any of the others having them offhand. I think it's just five and seven. Yeah, because although the submarine is cool, it's kind of a waste because there's there's nothing really underwater. There's like a few little spots you can go to, but for the most part, the entire map is just a barren underwater wasteland. Um. Anyway, so you got the sub. And now that you have a sub, you can go to the island that X-Death sunk to meet uh, uh, Guido, and hopefully he hasn't drowned. Um, so you go to the cave, and you do some a uh, little bit of light puzzle solving, and you meet with the Great Sage, who is, I swear to God, a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's no just joke. A, no joke. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Bartz makes a butts out of himself uh, interacting with the turtle, and uh, it, it, he's he's kind of a fun character. He sort of fulfills the Yoda uh, role in the game um, of wisdom and all that jazz. And you were told that you need to head to the forest of Moor to rescue the crystals um, that are held there because there are crystals in this world too. And apparently X-Death wants to shatter them as well. Um, so you start heading to this forest and, uh, and yeah, so let, I'm going to stop there for a second and we can all talk about everything that's happened. Um, so did you guys like explore the entire ocean floor once you got the sub and just were like, there's nothing here. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it was a letdown. Yeah, but I think I was like weirdly okay with it because I was just like, there should be something going on here, but it's okay. I'm driving a submarine and that's really cool. And I'm like nine years old. And then when I went back to it, you know, again and again, I've always kind of just had that vibe of like, I wish there was a dungeon or something going on here at this point in the game. But again, I'm driving a submarine, which is like cool in and of itself. Yeah. There's just nothing really to do here aside from the, at this point, especially there's nothing really to do aside from going to the island, um, the sunken island. Anyway, so uh, you go to the forest of Moor and uh, X-Death sets it all on fire, which is a kind of a cool sequence where you, uh, you, you go underground because you are well acquainted with falling through holes into the underground <laughs> at this point. It's just the safest <laughs> place to be, really. Um, and uh, you are protected from the fire and you come out and the entire forest is burnt and that's a there's a really really cool i guess it's not an easter egg but uh there's a treasure chest and i think it's if you get to the treasure chest before the fire it's one thing and if you get it after the fire it's a fire sword oh yeah i remember that i i think i scooped up the fire sword and i wanted what was there before yeah it's just it's a really cool little easter egg there Anyway, so, uh, yeah, but thankfully the, uh, the guardian tree that has the crystals in it survives the fire, uh, and you go into the tree and, uh, there are the crystals and the crystals guardians attack you because you are going after the crystals. So in a moment of just spectacular stupidity, you're like, I'm going to kill all the guardians and you do. And then X-Death shows up and he's like, thanks. <laughs> I was just like, you probably should have seen this one coming guys. Um, so X-Death takes the power of the crystals for himself and starts torturing, uh, everyone with the crystals in a rather intense scene of torture, actually. Uh, and then Krill shows up again to save the day like she did before, except this time she doesn't. And X-Death starts torturing her too. And I know that she's technically a teenager, but like in my mind, she's not, she's like a child of some kind. Same. Yeah. I always picture it's like 10 years old or something. Yeah. The art design didn't really reflect a teenager. Like I... I assumed she was a little kid until 
I learned otherwise. Yeah, apparently she's like, hang on, like how old is she? Let me double check how old she is here. Um, yeah, she's 14, but I don't picture her as a 14 year old. I picture her as like 10. And even if she is 14, it's still like she's being tortured. Anyway, uh, this manages the power of love, uh, manages uh, Galoot breaks free of the, uh, the energy of the crystal and uh, attacks X-Death and shatters his crystal. Like the crystal just shatters and, uh, and Galoot attacks X-Death. And this is like one of the most insane fights. Like there are a lot of fights in Final Fantasy history where you don't really have any control and it's set and you know how it's going to end. Um, and in this particular case, it's just Galoof taking all of the punishment, like insane amounts of punishment, going to zero HP and just continuing like a machine and just continuously attacking X-Death. Like you cannot die in this sequence, but you keep getting hit by the most powerful spells in the game. And it actually is amazing. Like it's, 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 it's a tough scene to watch. The amount of punishment he takes is ridiculous. So uh, he he defeats X-Death and X-Death escapes, but Galoof is mortally injured. And then uh, we uh, we get one of those weird scenes in Final Fantasy where they try to cure a person that normally should be cured by cure and it doesn't work, or they use a phoenix down on someone and it doesn't work. Um, yeah, and uh, Galoof dies. And although it's not the first time a major character has died in Final Fantasy, you have to remember that this is one of the only four playable characters in the game. And the character that we've spent like the most time with, it's not like people have left the party before, except for like, you know, they, they but they, they're always reunited almost immediately. And Galoof dies. And it's actually a really sad and well done scene. Um, Krill is inconsolable, but uh, it turns out that Galoof is still there in spirit and uh gives all of his powers and job abilities to her. So we have a brand new party member. Um, what did you all think about this scene? Like when you reached it, were you surprised by it or? I was fairly shocked because the game was so lighthearted up until this point. I mean, with exceptions. Um, but in retrospect, I was like, oh, right. Like Galoof got this big focus right before this. So I probably should have seen his departure coming. Mm. For one thing, I do want to highlight, you know, what you said, Jono, about how it's it's kind of brilliant how they have Galoof uh, hit zero HP and just keep fighting. It's that, like, surprise moment of, like, he's literally just kind of like, I'm not going to let the gameplay mechanics that dictate my universe of existence dictate my universe of existence. <laughs> he just keeps going. <laughs> You're right. It breaks all the rules. Yeah. And I mean, his fate, you know, and in, in retrospect, you know, like, like Corey said, it's kind of inevitable, but um, it works. Yeah. It hits me hard. And it's definitely part of that is because this is not a bleak game for the most part. Yeah. I thought it was really quite emotionally done. I just, I love the idea of him just pushing himself past that limit just for his granddaughter and everything. Yeah. I did too. It's a Final Fantasy, especially the earlier games uh, in the SNES era. They do, they do death well. Like Tella's death in Final Fantasy IV is is gut wrenching, and this is I think they do a really good job here, especially for a game that doesn't focus as much on character and uh, story. Uh, Galoof's death is still it hits you pretty hard. Yeah. And anyway, and uh, what happens now is you get a brand new party member, and there is a there was an interesting little stat related bit here where. Uh, Krill and Galoof have different base stats, um, and Galoof is a uh, is a primarily like his, his strength. His strength is higher, and but Krill is a much better magic user. So if you were focused on like setting Galoof up as a as like a physical powerhouse, you'd have Krill, who is not but knows everything that Galoof does. So I, on the one hand, 
in retrospect, because I knew what was coming, I trained Gloof as a magic user. But I did remember, like, I think one of my first times I played through the game where uh, Krill just became this, like, 10-year-old monk powerhouse who was, like, tearing, like, in my mind, they were just, it was just this little girl who was just, like, tearing monsters apart with her bare hands. For grandfather. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, and she's a, she's a good character, and she's an interesting character. And it's really fascinating because up to this point, Gloof was kind of the comic relief of the party and the dynamic between him and uh and Bart's was uh it was funny but now that's sort of gone and there's no real comic relief in the party Bart sort of becomes the comic relief but he's not so it, it's it's an interesting dynamic from here on out with the party members I feel it suits the you know kind of you're entering the third act and you've lost these people that were cherished, you know, and, and things aren't quite as funny unless you're Bart and you're talking to a, a talking turtle, in which case it's hilarious to him. <laughs> like you, like you said, but yeah, I think it kind of works. Cause it's like, all right, um, I, I, things are pretty serious now. Yeah. <laughs> there always was a bit of a rivalry between back to the future fans and teenage mutant Ninja turtle fans. So I buy it <laughs> anyway. So let's, uh, let's hop back into the story here. So, uh, now that uh, it's time, now that the barrier is down uh, and, you know, X-Death has the crystals, it's time to storm the castle. Um, and you you enter into the castle and it looks like just a really nice castle, but with no doors. Uh, so Kelger, the, the werewolf uh, elder who is bedridden at this point, uh, is visited by the spirit of Galoof and he gives up his life to break the illusion of Castle X-Death. And you see it for real and it kind of looks like it's made of flesh, which is gross. Yeah, but, it's a nightmare hellscape. Yeah. Nightmare Hellscape is a good description <laughs> for it. Um, but it has a door, which is an improvement. Uh, so you go in and you go through uh, this dungeon, which I actually think is a really kind of interesting, fun dungeon. Uh, and then you run into Gilgamesh again. Yeah. Uh, and there is a there's an empty chest in the middle of the room. And uh, he's like, ho, ho, I have it. And uh, he he suddenly breaks out into like his full power mode with like lots of, like lots of arms holding lots of swords. And he says that I have the legendary sword Excalibur and you're going to be, you're going to be sorry now. And he tries to destroy you with it. And uh, it doesn't work because it's not actually Excalibur. It's Excalibur. Uh, <laughs> I love is, this idea that he's like one of X deaths, like chief lieutenants. And he's just like patrolling the castle at this point, and he's just like, "Haha, I'm gonna steal all this treasure, including this legendary sword <laughs> from my boss." Yeah, it's like classic. Yeah, but is it any worse than what we did in Castle Karnak? No, really, not at all. <laughs> just ransack the place. It's being it's being attacked. Whatever. Um, yeah, so he attacks you with uh, Excalibur, and uh, it doesn't work. And X Death's like, "Oh, you're an idiot. I'm sentencing you to the void." And Gilgamesh gets thrown into this the void which we don't know what this is yet but he essentially he essentially falls through a hole in the floor <laughs> he falls water. through a hole in the floor <laughs> this is how you know your friends um and you get excalibur uh which is a hilarious like troll of a weapon because although it shows you when you equip it it shows it has like an incredible attack power but when you use it it has no attack power whatsoever um, but there is a, a really cool little, I think it must be, it must be hard coded into it. Like they couldn't fix it, but if you throw it, it acts like it does have its full attack power. So it's actually a fairly useful one shot weapon. If you have a ninja anyway, uh, so we get to the top of the tower and X death is there and he has the crystals and, uh, we fight and it's a pretty big battle. And, uh, but then all of the remaining crystals shatter and X death is defeated. And then suddenly uh, you wake up outside of Castle Tycoon on apparently 
Bart's world, which is weird. Um, but then you look around and it, it, the, the landscape isn't quite the same. And there are locations from Galoof's world. And you're like, what is going on? So you go to Castle Tycoon and the, the Chancellor or whoever it is, is uh, delighted because not only is Lena there, but also Ferris is there, who is, you know, the, the other princess, the lost princess. And uh, he throws a party and uh, Bart's and Krill are at the party and they're like, yeah, this is, uh, this is boring. Let's go. And they just leave their friends there. Um, <laughs> And they, they head off. You can dance if you want to. You can leave your friends behind. <laughs> and they do. Uh, and they they head off and they immediately fall down a hole. And um, Fortunately, Ferris comes. Fortunately, Ferris, who is the smart one, because presumably Ferris is like, okay, we keep falling down holes. Maybe one of us should get a rope. <laughs> I also like the fact, actually, this makes sense now. I was always like, how does Ferris know where they were? And the reality is Ferris is like, they're probably just in a hole somewhere. Yep. That's character <laughs> development right there. This is, this is character. This is aware, environmental awareness. Um, and Ferris catches up with them. Uh, Ferris is particularly pissed that uh, they were abandoned at the castle because they're like, I are, I'm no princess star. Um, but Lena is left at the castle because she is a princess. So, you know, that's a thing. Just leave your sister. Yeah. Leave your sister. Um, and they all head to uh, uh, Guido's cave and uh, it's revealed that the two worlds have been merged together into one. And I love this reveal because then when you look at the world maps pre-merging, uh, you can see how they fit together like puzzle pieces. And I thought I always thought that was kind of like a really cool, uh, a really cool design choice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so it turns out that the worlds were separated uh, to seal away the power of the void, which is a, a, a foundational power of the universe, which could destroy everything if an evil warlock gets control of it. Imagine that. Um, and then it uh, it turns out that X-Death is actually alive and has been disguised all along as a splinter in Krill, which is, this game makes such weird choices. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta respect it. You just have to respect it at this point. It's like, aha, but I was a splinter all along. It's just like... <laughs> And you're standing there. Yeah, they do. do. He might as well have just been like, I was that paper cut that you just couldn't (laughs) stop thinking about. Anyway, uh, yeah. And I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, technically, this is a a plot point that did not actually register with me until later that X-Death was like born from the Guardian tree. So technically, X-Death is a tree. Yep. And thus he is a splinter. So presumably he can just like hide his wood. You, you, you Dada, said you're out of control. You're out of control. Let the record state I was not the one who said that. Audrey did not say that. Corey did not say that. I, I, I'm, it's it's seriously like this is just like X Death's move, where X Death is like he 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 he's defeated. He dies, and then like they don't notice that a log is sitting on the ground beside where he was. <laughs> You know, you, oh no, the environmentalism continues, but this time it's like dark and jaded. It's like, well, just time to destroy every tree. I really wish that Bart's at some point in the game was like, time for some deforestation. Oh man, you know, me too. Let's see how many rings you have. Um, <laughs> it starts playing like one of the quirky, like, I don't know, like, like the chocobo theme and you just go through forests on the overworld and there's just like little SNES flickers of flame right behind Bart's Guido's just like what are you doing Bart's maniac come back here Uh, back to the point Um, 
so X Death is alive and disguised as a splinter, uh, and then we have a little, uh, a cute little battle between uh, uh, Guido and X Death, which reminded me a lot of the battle between Yoda and em- Yoda and Emperor Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, I was going to say earlier when you said that Guido is kind of like the Yoda of the game. I was thinking like Yoda, but with the advanced translation onward, kind of like with a, a dollop of yogurt too from. Uh, Spaceballs, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like yogurt versus palpatine and to be fair that scene in revenge of the sith was like off the charts you know wacky to begin with so yeah I'm, i completely agree with you yeah and bart's kind of has that like han solo energy about him so i was always sad that yoda and han never got any scenes together because i feel like the two i feel like that's a dynamic that would actually work pretty well on screen yeah and anyway um so uh yeah, Xdeath now uses his control of the void and he erases Castle Tycoon uh, and several other locations, apparently killing Lena. And at this point, I actually, I remember the first time I played it, I bought it because they just killed Galoof. And I was like, wow, they are going through party members. Um, and then Xdeath blasts them all away because he's really good at that. Uh, just like whenever he doesn't want them to be there anymore, he just like, you're gone and just sends them all flying, whether that's his own power or the power of his magical barrier. It's so immature. It is. It's yeah. Anyway, so he blasts them all away, uh, but thankfully they land near the ancient library. uh, And it turns out that uh, there were a bunch of librarians in Castle Surgate, which is Izat's castle and uh, the ancient library. And there was this, there was half of a book in each re- in each world. And now that the worlds have reunited, uh, they put the two books together and they, uh, they find this, it's kind of like a, a classic prophecy thing where the Warriors of Light must find four tablets that will allow them to unlock the ancient legendary weapons. Uh, and then they can use those weapons and survive in the interdimensional rift and defeat X-Death. Um, but X-Death is going to send some of his best people to stop you from collecting the tablets in like a classic kind of, you know, Thing. So now we're going on to uh, the tablet collecting portion of the game. And this is where everything starts getting a little bit more lo- non-linear, but also where story becomes a little bit lighter than even if it was before. Um, so before we, we go on our, our tablet quest, um, what did you all think about like when Castle tycoon just vanished did you think lena was dead or were you like ah there she's coming back somehow or what do you think? I was kind of like no <laughs> they didn't do that. Did they? <laughs> that I, was kind of my... I wanted her to become a splinter on Axe Death. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not made of wood. But we less. Yeah, I mean... Like... Yeah, Jono, I mean, you have to... When you suspend all this disbelief, you have to be <laughs> open to some of these possibilities. The game just like... throw these things at you. Lana's just like, I'm not the real princess of Tycoon. I'm your daughter. And now I'm a splinter on your thumbnail. Next test, like, no, and he yeets her across the planet. I wouldn't be surprised. Just because her characterization is wooden does not mean that <laughs> <laughs> Like father, like daughter? I don't know. They would never do it. That wouldn't be like a twist in a Final Fantasy game where it's revealed like one of the evil villains is somehow very closely related to the main hero. That would be ridiculous. Not at all. Anyway, um... So yeah, so you uh, you need to get the first tablet, and it's being held in a sealed pyramid. And at this point, you have a party of three, like you are you're literally missing your fourth member. And uh, uh, you you as you're going to this pyramid, which is in the middle of a desert that you pass through in the first world, uh, you pass through what is now the much smaller forest of Moor along the way in the Guardian Tree, and you go into this pyramid. And this is a fun dungeon. It's like there are lots of trap doors and secret passages. It's very Indiana Jones esque. Um, anyway, you, you get to the bottom of the dungeon and you release Bayamut, which is interesting. Uh, and you get the tablet and there's no boss battle. 
which is weird. Gee, I wonder if there's a boss battle that's going to happen in a second. Uh, so you leave the pyramid and you go through the uh, the forest more again, and you hear a Windrake at the Guardian Tree. And Lena is with him, but she's possessed because this is Exteth's big move, which is possessing. Uh, so Exteth shows up and brings some more void to the party uh, and then erases the library and Guido, just like pff, gone, um, and tells Lena to kill you all. And then uh, Hear You, which is the name of the Windrake and the one that uh, Lena saved earlier in the game, sacrifices himself. Just I'm not sure how this works. He just dive bombs her and explodes. And this separates Lena from the monster. Uh, and then your three person party uh, beats <laughs> the monster and uh, you get reunited with Lena. And it's a it's a heartwarming scene where you're reunited with your friend, but your animal companion is now dead. Truth be told, every animal companion in this game dies except Boko. Yeah. 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 Boko. Oh, except the Moogle. Oh, oh right. Moogle. Because, because the sentient life form. <laughs> probably right. thought for itself and got out of there while well, the going was good. <laughs> Moogles. <laughs> the only one that wishes it was dead. Is not- <laughs> I'm a person, Koopo. I'm a real person. And if this were any other Final Fantasy, I could convey that in, in basic tongue, but I can't. <laughs> As far as I can tell, the entire point of this poor Moogle's life is just to act as a psychic antenna for Krill. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway, um, okay, well, thankfully our airship is nearby, which is like really, really lucky. Um, And uh, you take off in the airship and then X-Death just goes a little bit void crazy. And he just starts, speaking of the Moogles, he erases the Moogle village and you just see like all these cute beings being hauled up into the sky and being like, no! <laughs> and uh, Lix, which is uh, Bart's hometown, uh, is vanished, and Bart's just loses it and like starts flying the airship like a crazy person to literally no point. There's nowhere to go. He's just like pushing the game. He's pushing the airship as fast as it can because he's angry. Uh, but eventually, everybody calms down. And this is where uh, the game becomes a little bit more nonlinear uh, because you can actually enter the void at any time you like by flying into the space where Tassel, uh, Castle Tycoon was. Uh, I would not do this until you level up a bit, get some, you know, the legendary equipment and stuff. And there are a ton of side quests that we're not going to get into uh, because we don't have enough time. Um, so let's let's take a quick look. Uh, we got to get the legendary weapons. So I'll just list them here. And uh, so there's Excalibur, which is a sword, Assassin's Dagger, a knife, uh, Sasuka's katana, which is another knife, although it's a katana. Uh, the holy lance, which is a spear. The rune axe. Uh, there is maize immune, which is a katana. Uh, Yuichi's bow, which is a bow. Uh, the fire lash, whip. Uh, Sage's staff, which is the staff. Uh, the magus rod. Uh, Apollo's harp, and uh, Gaia's bell, which is a bell. Ding ding um, ding 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 ding. For your if geomancer. You, if you like yep. puffy pants and you want a <laughs> bell that you can claim as a legendary weapon. Um, I wonder how much like the legendary Geomancer had to bribe them to put the bell into the hall of... <laughs> can you please legendary- just put this in here? But you didn't do anything. Yes, I did. Remember when there was lava and then there wasn't... Any- oh, yeah, that's true. He did get rid of the lava. Ding, 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 ding. Anyway, uh, clearly my favorite weapons in this were uh, Excalibur and uh, Maze Immune. They're just, you know, solid weapons. And if you get dual wield, uh, eventually those are the two you want to toss on your uh, your freelancer if you get dual wield and uh, the multi-shot. Yep. And that just makes you into a physical god. Um, 
Anyway, so uh, there are a few other cool places in the world. There's the there's the Phantom Village, which is a uh, a place between worlds, uh, a village between worlds, and that ex- is accessible by going to the former Crescent Island and then heading south into the woods. There's some super good equipment there, um, and then you go to find all of the other tablets. And like I said, we're not going to go into major detail here because you know it's it's kind of there's no real story in a lot of these places. You just kind of go and and fight. So uh, you go to the Island Shrine uh, to get the Wind Tablet, which is now in the middle of the big bridge. Uh, and then once you get that tablet, this unlocks Fork Tower, which is a really kind of interesting dungeon. This was where the hangar for the airship outside of Crescent Island once was. And uh, on one side of the tower, you can only use, you should only use physical attacks. And on the other, you can only use magic. Uh, and then in return, at the end of it, you get Holy and Flare and the tower explodes, which gives you access to the hangar again. Uh, and inside the hangar, you find Sid, who has apparently been trapped on a gear for like however long it's been since the worlds merged. He's fine. He's fine. Um, and then he, he, you know, you need to, apparently the uh, the next tablet is in a uh, deep water trench. So he and Mid, who just kind of shows up, uh, they upgrade your airship into a submarine because why the hell not, really? Uh, they just, they you know, you can transform your, your ship flying through the air into a submarine. Cool. Um, but... Uh, you know, we, we need to get the third tablet now. Uh, and uh, you head to the sea, cha- uh, sea Trench to get the fire tablet. You fight three little pigs. Uh, you head to Astori Falls for the fourth. Uh, in a very com- comedic moment, uh, at the end of the dungeon, one of X-Death lackeys show up, and then Leviathan shows up and just kills him. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then you can fight Leviathan uh, and get him as a summoned monster, or you can just leave, which I always found hilarious. I just imagine Leviathan being there, being like, guys, where, where are you going? Guys? This was my uh, big moment. Guys. Um Last, before we get into the void, if you recall when the uh, water temple went down, there was a piece of crystal that we couldn't get our hands on. But now that we have a submarine, we can go underwater and go back to the uh, the water temple and get this crystal. And to get it, we need to fight the famed Mimic Gogo, who is a character in Final Fantasy VI. Um, and this is an interesting fight. You need to, he says, you must do what I do. And he does nothing. And if you do nothing, eventually he's like, ha you're good. And then gives you the crystal. Um, alternatively, if you attack Gogo, you're in for one of the hardest battles in the entire game because Gogo is a monster. Um, but you get the mime job and the mime job is sort of freelance with a cape. That's basically the whole job. It's, you can, the only skill attached to it is mimic, uh, and all of the other slots are empty. So you can assign the mimic, uh, a variety of different ones, which is super useful if you have a magic user and you want to assign them, uh, more than one uh, type of magic. Anyway, uh, the, the mime. So I don't think we need to talk a lot about this job because it's basically just freelance with an extra slot. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it it can be invaluable in certain situations, but um, that's all it is. Um, it's like yep. the most straightforward job in the game and one of the coolest, but there's not much to say. I agree. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a great job. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so let's uh, let's... Let's go to the last dungeon. So after all of these side quests, we head inside the void. It's a really cool dungeon. It takes you through a number of different environments. Like you have to go through a forest, a desert, a castle, and a few others. And eventually you reach uh, the uh, dimensional castle, which is like space, but with platforms. And uh, you see Gilgamesh. And Gilgamesh has been here for a while and is freaking the heck out and doesn't recognize you. And then Gilgamesh recognizes you as a friend. And, and really, it just kind of like reveals his feelings about Bart. <laughs> and then and then runs away again there it is and, yep and it's just like okay he can't face his feelings so he runs away again um and uh there is a bunch of really cool boss battles in here but the most important one is 
uh, Necrophobe, who is a super tough boss that you can't seem to scratch uh, until Gilgamesh comes to the rescue and sacrifices himself for us and is very, is is like, oh, we'll see him again, I'm sure, at some point. And a few Final Fantasies. But that's, I mean, this is something that shows, Gilgamesh keeps showing up in other uh, Final Fantasy games, especially in like the uh, advanced remakes for Game Boy Advance. I think it's in Final Fantasy 2. I, I think you can find him and you attack him. And at the very end of his battle before he dies, he's like, Bartz, is that you? And then vanishes and your party is like, who's Bartz? Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, we finally uh, get to X-Death, who literally becomes a tree at this point. Uh, the, the, the splinter has now all grown up. Um, <laughs> and uh, X-Death tries to use the power of the void to erase the warriors of light but they are rescued by the spirits of the Warriors of Dawn and King Tycoon, of all people. Uh, and then you start waging your final battle against X-Death, and you destroy him, but then he immediately comes back as Neo X-Death, who kind of looks like another tree, but like a different tree now, uh, and he wants to bring nothingness to the world. And uh, you defeat Neo X-Death, and uh, you get some background text and some background stories. Uh, story. So apparently the crystals were born out of the void, uh, and four aspects, hope, courage, devotion, and passion. And uh, all of these are found in your party members and within the crystal shards that they carry. And this causes the crystals to be reborn again in the world. Uh, and the void closes and restores everything that was erased. And then the warriors of Dawn and King T send you back to the real world, uh, with, I assume, is the last Windrake at this point. Um, and then there's the end. And the world has returned to prosperity. Krill is traveling the world. Uh, Ferris hates being a queen and escapes to be a pirate again. That was what they were born to do. Exactly. Uh, Boko and his wife, who I forgot to mention this, Boko meets a female chocobo and they have like, (laughs) yeah, they they have cute babies. They have little baby chocobos. Um, Bartz is on an adventure somewhere. So Bartz is just butsing around somewhere. And, uh, then at the very end, you all meet up again by the guardian tree. And with the final fantasy, uh, theme playing in the background you all decide to continue protecting the crystals the end um there is an alternate there's an alternate ending to the game actually i don't know if anyone's aware of this but if any of your party members are dead at the end of the final battle they aren't able to escape the void uh and like the- it just continues by itself it's really sad if bart's is the only one who survives because just like sad traveling the world alone and then the spirit of galoof rescues them at the end but yeah, so that's the game. So uh, before we dive into the Game Boy Advance version and some of the additional stuff, uh, what does everyone think about Final Fantasy V and how the game ended and everything? Um, I thought the ending was really cool because one of the things that we talked about um, last episode was that Final Fantasy V is different from other Final Fantasies in a few ways. But one of the big ways is that the party that you have for the whole game is pretty small and fixed, um, with the obvious exception of Krill subbing in for... Um, Galoof. But I like that the game kind of doubled down on that theme of togetherness at the end when the whole party joined Krill at the Guardian Tree and vowed to protect the crystals. Like, I, I don't... I can lose the whole crystals, shrines, theme. All that kind of stuff was lost on me. Um, but I, I like just the party's cohesion and kind of the... I guess I would call it like the brotherhood. Um, just the togetherness they had throughout the whole game really kind of got highlighted at the end and, and that stuck with me yeah i really like that part of it too i feel like it captured that sense of kind of adventure with friends and i um i agree uh with both of you for sure one thing i wanted to add to was um as you mentioned Jono, about the like there's the alternate ending 
Um, I've gone through and I have, like, tried out different situations, you know, with, like, X character trapped in the void and all that. And it's really cool how they add these little moments where instead of, like, the happy thing that's there with the character or characters in that particular little sequence in the ending, um, it's replaced by something a little bit more somber. Like, um, if Lena is is trapped, it shows the Chancellor, and he's just kind of like, uh, he just doesn't look like he's having a great time, <laughs> you know, uh, that sort of thing. Um, I remember when I first played the game, I think, like, I mean, I was so young, I think Bart's was, like, the only one that made it, so I was definitely like, wow, this ending is a downer (laughs) (laughs) until the very end of it. That was just like, geez. Cause I didn't even realize, I remember specifically that I didn't realize that it had to do with that. Like I I started piecing it together in my brain. Cause I was, but I was just like, the game wouldn't be that like in depth, would it? And you know, it's just like sad Bart's going on an adventure by himself. And I was like, (laughs) adventures of sad Bart. This, (laughs) this happy go lucky game really kicks you a bunch. Doesn't it? Um, but yeah, and I kind of agree, like, you know, the the key little, you know, early FF, and it's still, it still rears its head a lot in the more recent ones to a point, you know, like the crystals are embodiments of good and pure and all that, like, it, it gets a little tiring, but, um, mm-hmm. but that, that ending that I think we can all agree is just great, where it's just like, we're kind of lifelong adventurers, we're kind of lifelong protectors, let's just do our thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the ending is great, and I love the... I love the ending where you're, you know, seeing over the credits, you're seeing like the world as you travel it. Great music, unbelievably good music. Um, It's just a, it's a perfect ending to this game. It's not overblown. It doesn't take forever. It's just kind of how it ends. Uh, And I'm a fan. Um, The adventure continues. The adventure continues. Actually, the adventure does continue uh, in the Game Boy Advance version because there are some little differences and some additional content, which we didn't play. All of us played the... uh, pixel remaster but if you're playing the game boy advance version there are like i said in the last episode there are a few graphic tweaks uh the sound's not quite as good because the gba didn't have a dedicated sound chip uh there's a quick save function which is necessary for the on the go nature of the platform uh there's a music player uh but the big additions were there were four new jobs and a 30 floor dungeon called the sealed temple uh which is not packed full of story but it does have some um To enter, you need to collect all the legendary weapons, and inside the temple, uh, under various conditions, you can get other crystal shards, and it has four all-new jobs. So there is the Cannoneer, which is like, uh, it's kind of like an attack-based version of the Chemist, where you can, uh, you you fire basically a cannon at enemies, and uh, you can use items to give those blasts effects. So it's kind of like you can throw an item on your uh, attack. Uh, There's the Gladiator, which is a physical beast, uh, that eventually allows you to attack all the enemies on screen for 75% at 75% power, which seems to me to be a good match for dual wield, uh, even a decent alternative to multi-shot. Um, there's the Oracle, which has the highest magic in the game, uh, and some luck-based skills uh, like Condemn and Predict, which uh, put powerful uh, effects on your own party or enemies. Uh, and then there's the Necromancer, which is an interesting job because it makes you undead, uh, super powerful magic user, like, but and uh, a lot like the Blue Mage, uh, because uh, you can only learn your skills from enemies that you defeat. So the Necromancer kills an enemy and learns that spell. Um, none of these jobs are necessary, and they don't really provide. Like, I feel like the job system in Final Fantasy V is pretty well balanced already. But uh, you know, it gives you something else to do, and it gives you something to level up throughout this ma- uh, massive dungeon, which is kind of cool. 
Um, have has any have you guys actually played the Game Boy Advance version and done the extra bonus stuff? Or no, this is my first time playing FF Five. Yeah, same here. I haven't had a chance to touch it, but I'm kind of perplexed that none of this content was included in the Pixel Remaster. Like, it sounds kind of cool. Uh, my belief, like I said last episode, is I think that at some point they're going to include this as DLC, and they'll sell DLC with all of the bonus content from uh, Final Fantasy uh, One, Two, Dawn of Souls and uh four five six on the switch <laughs> yes yes please <laughs> this is tricky because i love pixel remaster for ff5 i love what they've done with it the music the looks i mean it just fits but it's really hard for me to say whether i enjoy it more than advance specifically because out of the bonus content that was in final fantasy four five and six advanced that little like sub series for the gba I, I think I like fives the most overall. Um, I, I definitely think that the jobs are, are kind of overpowered, but it's like, okay, well, you, you know, you took a long route to get there. So it's what, you know, what it is. Like if I've written um, FF5, like strategy content in the past anywhere, I'm just kind of like, if you have those jobs from the advanced version, then just skip to page three, you know, more or less, because it's just <laughs> like they'll bombard. Um, but I mean, I, I still think they're cool. Um, I really think it like that op, like that final boss um, is is cool because they mention this character um, kind of throughout the throughout the script of the game, but actually getting to fight it is is something else. Um, I don't know if I want to say it because it's kind of like, well, maybe someone out there will play the advanced version someday and they'll be like, whoa, hey, cool. But um, Tetsuya Nomura actually designed the art for that additional boss too, and it, it kind of screams Tetsuya Nomura. Um, <laughs> like for the for good and ill, uh, but I enjoy it. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like Pixel Remaster is missing a bit of a beat for not having it because um, I think it's rad. So yeah, oh well. Yeah, the bonus content for the Game Boy Advance uh, editions of these games, some's good, some's not so good. I think that the additional jobs are great. I think they should be there. I think that the the bonus content should be there. And I have to admit, again, I, it's a theory. But I would be very surprised that Square Enix has like all of this content just laying around and they wouldn't think that, oh, we could make money if we sold this as a uh, as a DLC. It's just a thought. I don't know if it'll happen or not. I don't know if it'll happen this year or next year or what will happen, but I feel like it will eventually be there. I'm skeptical, but I am totally, totally on board, and I hope that you're right. And if you are right, I'll be the first to be like, I didn't think it was happening, but I love you. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I want it. I really do. Well, it took... How many years did it take Square Enix to kind of take these from the SNES and put them on the PC or, you know, for the Pixel Remaster? I, I wouldn't... Uh, I'm kind of skeptical, Jono. Like, as much as I'd love to see this bonus content um, kind of repackaged and resold um, mm -hmm. and available to me, it just, I don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath. Okay. Well, before we leave, I want to leave everyone with a, an interesting little piece of Final Fantasy history, which many people might not know. Uh, the This is the first, the very first sequel to a Final Fantasy game came about from Final Fantasy V. Uh, and it's not a game. It is a, uh, it's an anime. Uh, it's called Final Fantasy Legend of the Crystals. And it was released in 1994 in Japan. I've heard that it is not very good. It's I not. I never watched it. Yep. But uh, it is a direct sequel that takes place 200 years after the events of Final Fantasy V. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, the plot summary on uh, Wiki here. It takes place as the same world of Fi Final Fantasy V named Planet R. 
which is a terrible name for a planet. <laughs> that's our planet. Planet R. <laughs> planet R. That's what that's what Ferris would name the planet. Planet R. Oh, well done. Yep. Well done. Yep. And on this planet, uh, three of the four crystals have been stolen. Uh, the original heroes of Final Fantasy V are now legends of the past, and a new evil has risen on the Black Moon. Um, Mid, Mid of all people, shows up as a ghost. Okay. Um, Linnelly, who is a descendant of Bart's, shows up. And there's a character named Pritz, which I would have thought would be the descendant of Bart's because I have a, I feel like that Zed is like a family thing. Yeah. Like you just whatever you name your kid, you just toss a Zed at the end of the name. Bob's. Bob's. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've never watched this. Uh, apparently, the antagonist is a character named Raw Devil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. I, I, it's not very good. I, I feel like. Um, the writers for it were just kind of like, hey, remember FF5? Remember how ridiculous it was at some points? Let's do that, but not good. Yeah. I mean, the character, the, the main villain's not made of wood, so how good could it possibly be? True. Very true. Uh, anyway, um, well, I am absolutely thrilled that all of you got to join me uh, on this uh, this adventure, the spirit of adventure, yeah. uh, as Quentin was talking about last week, this adventurous Final Fantasy game. And I honestly think that this is up to this point, the most lighthearted and just spirit of adventure Final Fantasy game that there ever was. I I think it's such a strong game. It doesn't have the best story uh, or the most developed characters, but I think it does have some of the most developed gameplay up to that point. I understand, in a way, why Squaresoft was concerned about sending it over to the West, because it was so much more involved than Final Fantasy uh, II or Final Fantasy IV, so way more involved than uh, than even the, the easy type that we got over here. I don't agree with them, I understand them. Um, and their idea of releasing it as Final Fantasy Extreme, because there's nothing extreme about this game. Like Chugging the Red Bull part. Yeah, exactly. When you think about the <laughs> 90s concept of extreme, like Poochie, <laughs> this is not Poochie. <laughs> it kind of talking turtle, man. That's, yeah, and, that's and telepathic, count. telepathic moogles, telepathic also, sentient pets that should not be kept on proverbial leashes at all. It's pretty extreme. Nothing's more extreme than a an antagonist tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, this, like I said last week, this laid the groundwork for a lot of uh, a lot of Final Fantasy to come. Uh, job systems and tactics, for example, and up to Final Fantasy fourteen today, like instances like. Battle on the Big Bridge exist, uh, has some of the most amazing music, and the game really did provide a framework for uh, other video games, which are not, well, I mean, Final Fantasy Dimensions, for example, has a job system that's basically a copy of this job system, which, I, again, I still think that's a fun game. I think that if, some, if, if anyone here uh, enjoys Final Fantasy V and you're looking for something of the same stripe dimensions is a good place to look i think it's really good but anyway uh if you're looking for something a little bit more popular than that you can take a look at the bravely default series which kind of copies final fantasy V's homework in many ways you have a party of four it's it, you know it's solid throughout the entire game uh there are the crystals uh there are there is a very robust job system and i am a big fan of the default series a bravely default series i love it so yeah um before we go, uh, would anyone like to, I guess you all enjoyed Final Fantasy V, and uh, where where do you think you'd want to go next on your Final Fantasy journey? Six? <laughs> Probably six for me. 
Okay, the, okay, that makes sense for the people who haven't played six a million times, which I'm assuming Quentin has. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to play Tactics. Like, the job system sold the game for me, um, mm-hmm. and I've never played Tactics before. Which uh, it's another one. I'd, I'd love to. I don't really know how legally. I guess I could dig up a my ps3 in the attic and see if i can download the it is um it is on mobile which i mean i'm not a big fan of playing games on mobile Uh, myself to be fair like it's one of the few mobile ports that i've been able to get through and it's a pretty good one too because the game's interface really does lend itself to touch screens so is what you're trying to tell me that i shouldn't expect a port to pop up on switch I shouldn't hold my breath. I hope it does, but I've been like sitting here praying to Yevon for year after year that it shows up um, anywhere besides mobile. (laughs) Like, please. Um, Well, anyway, the job system here really made the game for me. Um, And I've heard Tactics has something quite similar, maybe even more developed, I've been told. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of the direction I'm leaning in now. Mm -hmm. Audra, six. Six, yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to go because six <laughs> is amazing. Yep. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts about it because you have very interesting thoughts about retro games. Like your your uh, your review of Chrono Trigger was awesome. So yeah, it was. Ooh. It really was. I'd be super interested to hear your thoughts about uh, that game. Uh, and Quentin, where would you, what what piece of Final Fantasy content do you think you want to take on next? The only like mainline game. And honestly, I've played a lot of the spinoffs too, but the only mainline game that I haven't touched ever is Eleven. And I've, you know, oh, growing up, good. yeah, growing up, I was just so, so scared of MMOs. And then 14 finally grabbed me and kind of shook me. And it was like, it's okay. You can do the thing. Um, and now Eleven is so like single player friendly, like even more than ever. Uh, I, I definitely want to give it a try uh, sooner rather than later. Of course, I say that it's been out for like two decades, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Um, as much as I would like to say that my next foray into Final Fantasy is going to be 14, it's not because I I have too much to play. And I feel like if I start playing 14, that's going to become my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want it to become my life. I mean, I do want it to become my life, but I don't want it to become <laughs> my life. I have two, I have podcasts to record. Um, and I can't record a podcast while I play it, at least not without it becoming very obvious. Yeah. Uh, so I think that the next piece of Final Fantasy that I'm going to play is going to be Final Fantasy VII Remake because it's on my it's on my PS5. I haven't played it yet. I really want to. Uh, and the fact it's being released on PC, I think it will be released on PC this Friday. So it'll be out by the time this is happening. So if someone out there has not played Final Fantasy VII Remake yet and they don't have a PlayStation, uh, you don't have an excuse anymore. If you have a play, if you have a decent graphics card. Play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Anyway, I would like to thank all of you for coming on to this episode and last week's episode of Retro Encounter. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really glad that I got to play this game with you. Uh, and then I got to replay the Pixel Remaster. It's really good. Uh, the music is unbelievably good. Um, the graphics are, I wish I could say they're pixel perfect, but they're not. They <laughs> they, they kind of look like, the aesthetic of the Pixel Remaster is, is like how you remember the games looking, not how the games actually looked. So I guess they're trying to kind of replicate what the graphics would look like on a CRT. Yeah. But but uh, that's not a bad thing um, because they, they just look amazing and they're, you know, high definition. And then if you have a great screen and everything, you know what it look really good on, though? The Switch. I just. <laughs> that's I just, a really good point, Jono. Square Enix, we know you're out there. You listen to this podcast week after week. Um, 
like every last important producer at your company is always like, hey, it's Jono. It's, it's a rent drone counter. So port it to the Switch. I can't possibly make a better pitch than that, Quentin. So uh, if we're talking about pitching uh, pitching ports to Switch, I guess it's time to end the episode. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's just do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so as you heard, the last two episodes were Final Fantasy V, but we're going to be moving back to regular episodes with Solosi. So I am going away, and you're getting Solosi back. Uh, if you want to listen to me, go to go to Random Encounter or some, I guess one of the other podcasts, whatever. Uh, Solosi will be back. And next week, we're going to be doing an end-of-the-year podcast, uh, summing up 2021. And then following that is going to be a top 10 PlayStation 2 RPGs episode. So that's going to be awesome, especially if you are a fan of that console. Uh, if you have any feedback for us here at Retro Encounter, you can email us at retro at rpgfan.com. Uh, you can comment on the boards, engage with Solosi on there. You can visit our Facebook page. You can go to Instagram, Twitter, Discord. Uh, RPG Fan has Twitch streaming every single day. And we also have other podcasts. Like I said, a Random Encounter with me uh, every two weeks alternating Mondays we have on a panel of reviewers and feature writers and just random people from the site talking about what's going on uh we're going to be doing our uh I, I guess it's going to be an adaptation of our most anticipated uh feature that is currently up on the site for the next episode of random encounter so don't miss that uh rhythm encounter is also there on the other alternating Mondays uh this is RPG fans music podcast and we just had a uh a pretty cool episode that was uh, NES music. And now we have one on the elements, uh, which is an elemental episode and Slosi's on that. So go, go, go listen to that. Um, and we also have Phoenix edge, which is our partner podcast. You can find that on YouTube and uh, hat and Eric talk about the latest video game and RPG news. Um, if you enjoyed retro encounter, why not review us on iTunes or uh, Google play, whatever your podcast listening venue. Uh, we just love feedback and uh, where can we find everyone on this podcast? Audra, where can we find you online? Audra B at RPGFan.com. Cool. And uh, Corey, where can we find you online? I'm at Corey T at RPGFan.com and Corey T810 on Twitter. Cool. And Quentin, where can we find you online? I'm at Quentin C, letter C, at RPGFan.com, as well as Quentin Writes, Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-W-R-I-T-E-S, on Twitter. Excellent. And you can find me at Jono underscore Logan on Twitter or jloganrpgfan.com. Or if you have uh, feedback for Random Encounter, you can send something to podcast at rpgfan.com. So again, thank you all for being here. Thank you all for listening. And uh, we'll see you back next week for the end of the year episode with Michael Solosi. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.